G'day folks, welcome to episode 110 of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. So this week we've got a few different things to go over in Ubuntu Security Community News. Uh, there's a couple of blog posts that I want to highlight. One of them was around, I guess, the history of uh, 1404 ESM. So kind of looking at what was done there, what updates have been uh, pushed out there, and kind of the kind of things that you may expect, I guess, if you are going to look at signing up for 1604 ESM, which is uh, going to be coming out in the next month or so. Uh, and there's also a discussion there about uh, a live patch update that went out last week uh, that there was an issue with. So I just wanted to highlight that as well because it was for a security update. Uh, plus, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Chrome getting uh, DNS over HTTPS support. And, and as well as that, we're going to do our usual roundup of security fixes from the last week. So let's just dive straight into that. Uh, this week, there were 38 unique CVEs that were addressed by the team. Up first, we had an update for LDB. Uh, this is uh, kind of a library that is used by Samba for uh, its LDAP uh, backend. Uh, so it provides this LDAP-like database uh, as a library. And as I say, it's used internally by Samba. And actually, the Samba package has a copy of this library within it. Uh, and obviously, there were vulnerabilities that affected it. Uh, but the Samba package doesn't use that internal copy. Uh, instead, in Ubuntu, we prefer packages all to, say, link against uh, the single package within the archives. So in this case, it is the LDB package there. So that's where uh, these fixes were done. So we only have to fix them in one place, not go and fix them in multiple packages in the archive. Uh, there were a couple of different issues here. Both of them were heap buffer overflows. Uh, the first one was when parsing uh, a, domain name, a domain name string with lots of trailing white space. This allowed to place a single null byte at a chosen offset uh, before an allocated buffer. And so it was a single um, byte uh, heap buffer overflow uh, potentially, uh, but, but yeah, depending on where that could be placed, you could then get uh, different effects as a result. Um, so we classified that as a high uh, priority vulnerability. As well, uh, there was another heap buffer overflow when parsing LDAP attributes uh, with uh, multiple leading uh, consecutive spaces. This would then result in calling a mem move to a location beyond the end of a buffer. So again, you're kind of almost arbitrary uh, heap buffer overflow there. Uh, both of these would likely result in a crash, so you could get a denial of service as a result against uh, your Samba, but we can't rule out possible remote code execution as well due to the nature of you know what heat buffer overflows are and what they can enable. So yeah, they were both fixed for LDB uh, for our releases going all the way back to 14.04 extended security maintenance. We then had an update for the kernel in uh, 14.04 Extended Security Maintenance. Uh, this was for three different vulnerabilities that I talked about back in last week's episode. These were all in the iSCSI subsystem. The most interesting of these uh, was a bunch of different heat buffer overflows that, again, could be used for possible code execution by a local attacker. Uh, as well as that, there was an update for uh, the kernel used, uh, for one of the kernels, should I say, used uh, for the 1804 long-term support and 1604 long-term support release on various platforms. And this included uh, the two BPF uh, speculative execution fixes that I talked about in last week's episode as well. Uh, what else we got? An update for OpenSSL. This was a uh, possible null pointer reference when uh, processing signature algorithms, and so it could allow a remote uh, client to crash the server during renegotiation. Uh, this was for Ubuntu releases 18.04 and 20.04 long-term support and 2010, the Groovy Gorilla. Uh, there was an update for Firefox. This was updating Firefox to the latest upstream release, 87.0. 
and as well as rolling in uh, you know fixes for various web issues that uh, we kind of see in browsers and uh, browser engines like you know the ability to cause cross-site scripting or denial of service or remote code execution if you visit a an attacker controlled malicious website uh, there were a couple different fixes here for uh, specific issues around uh, the use of extensions so uh, one of them where they could potentially spoof websites uh, by popping up windows and crafting uh, you know the title bar and things like that there and also the ability to potentially read the response of various cross-origin requests and as well the ability to uh, enable the DevTools remote debugging feature silently. So if a local attacker could modify uh, your local Firefox configuration uh, and then you, know, you would then start up Firefox, the remote debugging feature would be running. And so if you visit uh, you know, a remote website, uh, the remote attacker then could, spoof, uh, could snoop on your browser session as a result. So they were all fixed for Firefox. Similarly, there was an update for WebKit GDK. Uh, this is the, um, the web engine used by uh, things like the Captive Portal stuff in GNOME or say the Epiphany web browser and things like that. Uh, there's seven different CVEs here for uh, the version in uh, Ubuntu 18.04 and 20.04 long-term support and 2010. And again, these are the usual kind of things that we see for browser engines like cross-site scripting and denial of service attacks, uh, remote code execution and the like. We're all fixed there. An update for Squid. So these were two different HTTP request smuggling attack issues. Uh, one that could possibly result in cache poisoning and the other in the ability to bypass uh, security controls and therefore allow uh, an attacker to access uh, forbidden services at, uh, you know, beyond the Squid proxy. Uh, an update as well for a couple of different Python libraries here uh, for LXML, uh, the Python um, XML parser built on top of the XML2 library. Uh, this would mishandle HTML attributes and that could then allow a remote attacker to perform cross-site scripting. Now, obviously, this depends on how uh, LXML is being used in your Python application, but yeah, that was fixed for releases going back to 16.04 long-term support. Uh, as I said, there's another update as well for pigments. I talked about this back in last week's episode. Uh, this is the Python library for doing syntax highlighting of various code blocks. And uh, part of, the, or the way that it parses various code blocks uses a bunch of different regular expressions. And it was found that uh, some of these had exponential or even cubic complexity. And so therefore, you know, an attacker who could supply appropriately crafted content could cause a CPU-based denial of service as a result because, you know, would be so busy trying to parse uh, that code through those exponential regular expressions that, you know, you would just soak up all your CPU time. And finally, we had an update for curl. So this was two different vulnerabilities, again, that affected releases back to 16.04 long-term support and those uh, since then. Uh, the first one, it failed to strip credentials uh, when sending uh, referrer headers. So that then could allow uh, your credentials to be leaked uh, across the internet to a, a person in the middle that could intercept them. As well, uh, there was incorrect handling of session tickets when using HTTPS proxy. So an attacker who could control that proxy uh, could then cause curl to bypass certificate checks. As a result, then they could you know, inject their own certificates uh, and therefore snoop on your encrypted communications as a result. Uh, that one only affected uh, curl in later Ubuntu releases, so 24 long-term support and 2010. Okay, and that is it for this week in security updates. As I said at the start, uh, a couple of things I wanted to talk about in this week's episode. One was uh, an announcement we put out about a live patch issue. Uh, this was for uh, CVE 2020 uh, 29372. Uh, this was for the 4.4 kernel used in Ubuntu 6.04 long-term support. 
when this went out, uh, it went out to the, the free tier of LivePatch. So LivePatch is available to users free of charge uh, for personal use, as well as uh, users can pay for it, as well as part of Ubuntu Advantage. And so uh, those are separated into separate tiers. So it first goes out to uh, the free tier users, and then it migrates to uh, Ubuntu Advantage customers after that. And so uh, this one went out uh, within uh, a you know, small amount of time, an hour and a half of it being out. Uh, we noticed that there was an issue with it that was retracted, but it did mean that uh, a bunch of different free users had already obviously got that fix. It never made it to uh, the paid tier, uh, how, so you know, a lot of uh, paid customers were safe there. Uh, the problem was, I guess, that it uh, was only triggered under certain circumstances, so it wasn't picked up in any of the internal testing. Uh, we've now updated our internal testing to try and uh, exercise these sort of use cases, which are more long-running processes. And in this case, it was around uh, the MAdvise system call. Uh, and so, you know, we've got a few more use cases there, particularly with longer-running tests that are going to try and pick up these sorts of things uh, in the future. But yeah, so that has been fixed. And in the blog post, uh, there are some uh, instructions there if you were affected by it as to how you can uh, remove the live patch if it is causing issues still and then you know, move on from that. Uh, plus, uh, as part of that, uh, going forward, we're going to uh, restrict live patching to only critical and high severity CVEs. This is, I guess, what um, live patch as a product has always been uh, intended to address, only high and critical, but we have, and the kernel team, should I say, have in the past tried to address medium severity CVEs as well, but this uh, you know, obviously gives a, um, you know, the more CVEs we try and patch, potentially the more risk there is that one of them is faulty, so that will uh, reduce that chance, and obviously we're going to uh, extend the amount of testing that we do and add in new tests to try and pick up these sorts of issues. All right. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about that was on the Ubuntu blog this week was a blog post by uh, Nikos. Uh, he's the uh, product manager for uh, Ubuntu Extended Security Maintenance. And he's got, uh, I guess, a summary of what the first two years of 1404 Extended Security Maintenance has uh, provided. So it talks about uh, some of the vulnerabilities that stood out. Uh, some of these were in the kernel, so things like SAC Panic or, um, or others. There was also fixes for uh, you know the grub to boot hole vulnerability and sudo and others. Uh, and then it talks about some of the hardware vulnerabilities. So these were usually around uh, Intel processes. So the uh, MDS, microarchitectural data sampling attacks, as well as uh, some graphics card vulnerabilities there. Uh, plus it also talks about some of the kind of the mitigations that we put in place. Uh, what are the packages that see most of the updates that have been done so far for 1404 ESM? And so not surprisingly, that is a lot of um, kernel CVEs, but there's also things like TCP dump in there and app port and other things as well. So yeah, it's a really interesting blog post. Uh, if you ever wanted to get a bit more of a high level overview of uh, what is included as part of extended security maintenance. You know, if you're considering extended security maintenance for say 16.04, which will um, reach the end of the long-term support period in the next month. So yeah, I urge you to check that one out. And finally, something else I wanted to talk about that I saw this week was an article on Bleeping Computer about how Google Chrome will be rolling out uh, DNS over HTTPS for Linux users. So this is something that has actually been available for uh, Windows and Mac users for a while, but it hasn't been in place for Linux uh, because I guess of the complexity of the way that um, you know, name services is handled in Linux. 
So uh, under Linux and obviously Ubuntu, there is the etc. nsswitch.conf file, which allows you to kind of configure various different um, modules that can be used. So things like, uh, do you want to query uh, like the Avahi MDNS, uh, you know, for local machines, or do you want to use, say, libvirt if you've got virtual machines, and do you want to be able to resolve their names, that kind of thing. And so this adds a lot of complexity. Uh, so Google Chrome in the past has ignored this and done its own. It's just deferred to uh, the, the local resolver. And so what they're going to do now is they're going to try and parse, etc. NSS switch. Uh, they will then look for kind of a simplistic version of this where the host's entry within that contains, say, just files and DNS. So this allows, say, the etc. hosts file uh, and it will co uh, consult the local DNS resolver. Uh, plus, they're also going to look at adding support for the MDNS4 minimal uh, module. So that then should allow it to work with Avahi as well. And so by supporting those three modules, uh, Google Chrome uh, should then be able to support Ubuntu releases out of the box, say, because we use these three on Ubuntu 2004 long-term support. And that then means that uh, DNS over HTTPS should work out of the box for future Ubuntu releases. Oh, sorry, should work for future Chrome releases on Ubuntu. Uh, so this is expected to roll out in either Chrome release 91 or 92. At the moment, uh, Chrome release 89 is the current stable version and they do a new release every six weeks. So probably within the next 12 to 18 weeks, uh, yeah, we may see this rolling out for Chrome on Linux and uh, Chromium as well. So yeah, one to look out there uh, for if you are uh, keen to be using uh, DNS over HTTPS yourself. Okay, so that takes us to the end of this week's episode. If you want to get in contact with the team, you can reach us at securityubuntu.com. As usual, we are in the Ubuntu Harden channel on irc.freenode.net. There is a security section on discourse.ubuntu.com if you are already part of that community and you want to raise a topic with us there. And finally, if you want to reach us on Twitter, we are at Ubuntu underscore sec there as well. So thanks everyone for listening again for another week. It's been great to do this all again for you. I will be back again next week. And until then, remember, keep calm because we have got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.